If Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's <Yeah. laughs> Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grammar X Show. Coming at you back with a fresh intro after our, our little hiatus. Not an actual hiatus in the content, but a hiatus for us. We were pre-recorded a bunch of stuff, I guess, well over two weeks ago. A little over two weeks ago. What day is it today? Maybe three weeks ago. It was three weeks ago, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. So three weeks ago, we pre-recorded all the stuff because I was gone for you know, 15 days or 16 days. And uh, I think you did a little cruise around the prairies too, right? Went and tried to fix up that place back in Saskatchewan. Yep. See if you could salvage it. Yep. Yeah, it's a lot of work, man. I don't know. There's lots of lots of shit going on right now. It's a it's weird crazy. time. <laughs> it's crazy times. Yeah. Crazy times. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we had a good trip. We've seen some people. I should get some shout outs before I forget. Big shout out to uh buddy Mike Red Potatoes. Mike uh it was Gary Gary Taters, I think, in the chance for a long time. Red potatoes at one time. I called Mike and he came and seen us down Bruno Sand Dune State Park, just south of Boise. We did some bass fishing and a bunch of swimming with the kids, checked out some sand dunes. And uh, I also seen Saw. Mike, Mike, saw, seen. What's the context for the difference? I also saw, but that's okay. Why? What's seen then? I have seen something. I also you, seen. you can't, you can't use think, it in the sentence, but I think it's fine. Because you, you bust my balls all yeah, the time. So you say Nassau. <laughs> I mean, I don't think if Nassim. you're going to bust my balls, <laughs> on, camera, you need to know that it's right. Nassau. <laughs> Because I'm not, I'm not fucking convinced. I'm not convinced. So I also went went to Bozeman, seen uh, Mike Weeks. First, you know, Mike from because he in Egypt with us. He's been on a couple tours. Stopped in, seen him. That was good. And uh, of course, big shout out to Oliver because I got down to California and uh, the trailer wouldn't pop up. What the what? What are you doing over there? I'm trying to turn you up because you're coming in load for me. Oh, I don't know if good. it's my. You want me to turn me up? How's yeah, that? Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. There's someone else said I was quiet last show. So yeah. here you go, motherfuckers. <laughs> uh, where were we? What was I saying? You're, you're talking about pop up something? Your trails? Oh, yeah, my trailer because I had the pop up tent, right? The pop up yeah. camper, which is the only way I could really do a trip like this because everyone I know that doesn't have a pop up uh, camper says it costs a fortune to tow. Especially because I got to fit five people in there, right? Oh, you mean like if you had a big one of those big trailers? Yeah. Is that why those teardrop ones are so uh, common now? Because they're cheaper to tow? 
because it's cheaper to tow. But I got to say, I mean, if you get like a big diesel, I think you don't really notice the tow so much, which might be the difference. Maybe then it doesn't make a big deal. Maybe because I was I was thinking about getting a bigger trailer at one point, but I don't know. After going on the road for two weeks with the 10 trailer, it really does work pretty good. There are some modifications I'd consider making making to it. Maybe if I get one just a little bit bigger. So what happens? From, what happens from a weight and tow perspective, I'm getting, I would say, 80% of my fuel efficiency with the trailer and tow. Plus, it's easy to get around stuff because it's smaller, you know? Like, Dude, I pulled into the parking lot of the dispensary, and I was just like, oh, my God. How am I going to fucking wing this thing around? Yeah. But if it would have been, like, three feet longer, we would have been waiting for people to go home. Yeah. Because I forgot I was towing it. It's so low, I forgot I was towing it. <laughs> so it just wouldn't pop up. We just And it had been clicking for a little bit. Like, even the last time I had it out here, it was like I was cranking it up and click, crank it up, click. Crank it up, and then when we first got out in the road, the second the time I set up before that I was clicking more, click, 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 go, 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 click, 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 click. So then we get down to California, and it won't it just in the redwoods, and it just click, 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 it won't won't do shit. So uh, Shauna and I were both lifting it, and uh, had Madison cranking it, and then we could get up a little bit, and then another couple seen us struggling, came over, helped us push it up there. So we got up for the night and, uh, you know, luckily, and I said this, uh, I said this to him, so I'll say it's on air. If there's any place in the world that I'm going to have my ship break and it's not like at home where I, because at home I have a lot of resources, you know, between my stuff and, but mainly my network, you know, I got people all over the city. I know they're good at this, good at that. They have a trailer, they have that. They can come help you out a shop when you're in a jam. But when you're in another country, a couple thousand miles away from home, and your ship breaks, you could be in a real jam. So it's because it's old trailer, right? And you know you can't just pull up to a trailer shop and say fix this because who knows how much it's going to cost. So our buddy Oliver, our buddy Oliver, we were just uh, very we were within an hour of his house where this happened. So the next morning we cranked it down. It goes down fine because there's no no weight. And we headed over to Oliver's house, backed it in, uh, sent the the wife to be and kids out for lunch, and Oliver and I spent a couple hours fixing the trailer. So was it the teeth on it, like kind of worn? Was it some? Was it wearing? Yeah, so when we ripped it apart, we ripped, pumped, got it up, opened it up a little bit, and uh, it was like the center of the sprocket where it's supposed to line up. That thing's never like it's so rusty in the center that I swear it hasn't been on the center for at least as long as I've owned it. So it was missing, but it doesn't get a lot of water in there anyway. And honestly, yeah. the, in the inside of the trailer is in such good shape, and the canvas is in such good shape that I think the thing was parked for a long time and and uh, sat for a long time and didn't get used. The last guy, the guy I bought it from, had only used it three or four times. Um, so there's a chance that the trailer is 25 years old. It probably only got used, you know, 30 times or 40 times before I got into it is what it seems like. Um, but so the thing was so rusted, it was like, so the whole, at least the whole time I've got it, this fucking sprock has just barely been catching Barely been catching. And I've had the thing out 30 or 40 times already myself, popped it up. Shit, maybe more than that. Anyway, 
it's just like so from the whole time i've had it and probably the whole time the guy before me had it it's just been catching on the corner of the sprocket on the corner of the sprocket that cranks and this thing turns chains all over the place to get to all four posts so it brings them all up at the same time so that was not hitting so oliver you know he's like me he's a fix-it dude and even more than me He's a fucking pack rat, so he's got cotter pins and stuff, and we're at his shop, so there's just everything we need. He's got a ton of clamps. We're able to open this thing up. We're both pretty bright, so we're able to figure out a couple of fixes right away. We just clamp, keep clamping this thing till it comes back to where it is. But then as soon as you start cranking up again, that gear's been in the wrong spot for so long, it's just trained to come off, trained yeah. to come off, trained to come off. So we found a, a bunch of tiny little drill bits clamped it all and dude you're working in like a six inch by six inch by six inch box fucking do it he's inside the camper i'm outside of the camper and uh but finally got it clamped in the right spot we we're able to drill a hole through this so it's like a big say like a five eighths solid rod or maybe a three quarter solid rod coming through and it comes through this plate so much so you can see a quarter inch of it coming out but then as soon as you start, it slides back, slides back. There's right, like, so you had to block that. There's no mechanism that? there to hold it. Like, there's no butterfly clip or anything like that. So we drilled a hole in it and added a cotter pin. <laughs> and then it worked fine. The rest of it works great. Wow, good. That's awesome. Good little fix. I mean, it's like a fix that should have happened. They should have had that there all along kind of thing. It's not like something broke. It's like just a faulty mechanism. Seems like a bad design. Yeah, yeah it seems design, like a yeah. bad design, but I, I have no reason to believe that the cotter pin won't last forever. The other thing, I uh, shit, I don't have the labels on me, so I do got to give a proper shout out. Remind me next week, I got to text Oliver and get the info because his his sister has a company making uh, like soap and shit out of CBD. Ooh. And and so she had a whole because we were camping. We had picked the ended up picking a camping spot that was only about fifteen minutes from Oliver's house. I mean that's why we were so close. We were going to bump into him already. Um, and spend a few days. He showed us around, showed us the beach, showed us the redwoods. Um. Anyway, his sister makes all these fancy CBD soaps and like shampoo bars that you can soap yourself up with and wash your hair. And massage oil and all these pain sticks, CBD pain sticks that work really well. And uh, she gave us a whole bunch, just gave us a bunch when we showed up. Uh, but we didn't ever met her. I'm sure she's a sweetheart, but she just sent Oliver with it because she listens to the show. Um, I think, maybe not. I don't know if she does or not, or if Oliver just conned her out of it. But anyway, she gave us all this stuff. I said I would give a shout out on the show, but we had to take all the labels off. Because as we found before, they don't allow CBDs to go from one side of the border to the other in either direction, as we found out when we had all of our CBDs seized at the border. It's funny that they put the T-shirts back in and we mailed it. So anyway, the soap were great. Those shampoo bars were great for traveling. You can just hit the shower with one bar. And do yourself top to bottom. So it was a good time. We did the California, Oregon coast, California redwoods across, found a little, this Chiloquin, Oregon out in the middle of fucking nowhere. 
I mean, it is probably only a, a, like an hour and a half away from what like fucking meth town up in the high desert there were just a bunch of the fucking craziest looking shacks you've ever seen with no noticeable power or anything going to them. It looks just like a horrible, horrible, horrible off-grid existence. It's hard to believe that people are doing anything on those shacks other than unsavory. (laughs) You know the kind of place, right? It's hard to think they're in there finding Jesus or whatever. Anyway, uh, but it was a gorgeous place on the river. It was just a little like random Airbnb that we had picked out because when you're out camping for this long with uh, three little girls... And the messes, the laundry just... I can wear the same clothes for days, dude. Like, you know, three, four days out of a pair of jeans as long as nothing goes down. But the girls, especially my the, the little girls, the, the, the Lola and Madison and Cassandra are like three outfits a day. Well, they're also getting mucky, though. I'm getting, they're getting into it, they're too. Total right? in the place. Yeah, total yeah. in the place. So... So did like, they... What was your favorite... Dang. What was your favorite thing? My favorite thing? Or the girl's favorite thing? Oh, I don't know. There was a bunch of stuff. We went and seen Old Faithful and Yellowstone. Um, they really liked a lot of the swimming. I th- I would say that that Airbnb Chilokan was on the list because it was like one of those places where you fish off the dock and you could just like see all the fish come up to your hook. You know, like those kind of places back in the days where you're watching the fish bite and it's like they're there as soon as you put your hook in so everyone gets pretty excited. Or, uh, I mean, we started the trip in Idaho at Silverwood Theme Park. So that was like a big bang to kick it off. Took the kiddo on her first, like, big, you know, the the Callaway Park roller coaster, but they have some like world class roller coasters at, at Silverwood. We went on the wooden one, the one we always drive by when we go down to the Washington. So we went on that one. It was good. The water park was fun. I think that was probably the kid's favorite, but I mean, I don't know. It was, it was good. And it was a lot for him to take in, you know? The beach must have been good too, right? The it really got, Cassandra really got a kick out of the beach for sure. She would, she could have stayed there all day. I think everyone could have probably. The beach is pretty exciting, pretty exciting place. We've seen a seal. So yeah, it was a good trip. And I seen Old Faithful go off this time. Last time I was at Yellowstone, I didn't pop in there because it's just jammed and everything else. But this time we were there was like a, Monday night, it was late. It was like the last one of the night at sunset, so it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too crowded. It's neat to see. The waterfall was something else. Yeah, I saw Actually, pictures of that. It looks pretty cool. Canyon? Yeah, the waterfall yeah. was fucking dope. Because you're like right there looking over the edge of it. It's like, give the Americans credit for the parks, man. It's something else. Oh, yeah. The Canadian parks, they never let like, get that close, man. There'd be like yeah. railings everywhere, walkways and railings. Stay on the walkway. Don't, I mean, in America, you can get yourself killed in one of these parks. Easily. There really is a big difference. <laughs> so, and then on the way home, we, uh, we, uh, we, we camped a couple of days just down here at the local place. So, went to the provincial park. It was good. I guess they're letting generators in the park now, which I don't know. You know, it's not great. I, I use my generator all the time, you know, when I'm out boondocking. But we're what's, now, a, what's a boondock? Just, I, didn't I already explain this? It's when you're just camping without, uh, without electricity. Not at a campsite. campsite. You're out in the night. I think for us, it's Crown Land, public land. In the States, it's probably public land or it's BLM land. The Outback? 
or like uh, in Australia, the Outback. I don't think England gets one. I don't think the Europeans get that kind of stuff. <laughs> but as opposed to like the was, you know, when we're in the provincial park, you're fucking the, you know, you to get a fifty foot by fifty foot square. Yeah, you're on top of everybody. Yeah, yeah. So, are you hearing everybody's generators? Then is that what you're saying? I mean, the one morning, the one morning, this is Buddy's generator at fucking night at eight. They're just like loud too, you know. But whatever, it was. Well, good. I mean, got a ton of crayfish and ate the shit out of them. I'm sure that people want to hear about, uh, you know, follow border? up on your previous segments about border crossings and guns. Well, they, and all this yeah, stuff, they, right? they you got your family with you this time, so they pulled us in. This is on the way back. How was the way down? On the way down, they pulled us in too. <laughs> but I think that's because uh, they, they didn't really do anything. They said they were searching the truck, but they didn't really. What it really seemed like is they came and talked to the kids and made sure that the kids were having a good time. That's really the impression I got. Is they oh, made my sure God. That, wow. Because it was like, you know, Sean and I have different last names, and her daughter has a different last name, so. And they didn't ask for any paperwork on that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've heard some people like, you need a letter from your ex if you're going to bring the kid into the States, blah, blah, blah. But we had those just in case, but they didn't ask. They did just haul us into the room. And then the, the buddy came over and he was like, just playing with the kids for a minute. How can I, do you have any wild animals? In the, blah, blah, blah. And the kids were stoked, you know, laughing, having a good time. So then they were just like, have a good, have a good trip. She's on the way back. They're like, yeah, pull over door two. Right away? Pull over door right two? Right. Like, what oh, did you... No, no, I, like I, gotta... I give them the passports and everything. And I'm like, the last time we came through, Buddy said he was, he was gonna he was gonna silence it. Did you tell him that before he said anything? Or, like, no, was that no. after he said gate two? This time I'm just like, uh, just chill, right? We're just gonna go into this like there's no problems. I might have had some contraband too. I forget. Um, anyway, we pull up, give him the passports. Wait a second, comes back. What do you have? Some souvenirs, you know. Went here, there with the kids. Pull over, and you know, you can see in the back, kids are like, like sleeping in the back of the truck. And oh, pull over to door two. Everyone's got to get the fuck out. And I'm like revved up, dude. Now when I when when I'm traveling and I'm coming back to Canada, the last thirty miles before the border, I'm already revved up. You know, I'm like, I just can't help it. I can't help it with these fucks. I can't help it with the the cops or the fucking government in general. I just and these just like this forced fucking forced fucking place where I'm stuck in a room with the fucking government with the beast. You know, it's just some dude. You know. But it's not. It's like the airport, especially once you're pulled into that little shack, right? Because now you're, you're, they got truck keys and your fucking passports, and you're pulled into this building, and they try and put you in a little that little way they call it a way. So hang on, but 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 let's say they, but let's you're you're skipping past the part. So they tell you to pull into number two. You pull into number two, and then they come out and meet you and stuff. Or what do they tell you? They're like, yeah, shut off the vehicle. Oh, Oh, hang on, hang on. Before that, didn't you push back when you got called to go to two because you're like, dude, they said they were going to take this off? No, not yet. Okay. Not yet. Because, you know, just, that guy is just... That guy's just doing the job. I pull over the gate, too, and I'm, I'm revved up. And it's just a fat fuck. And a younger guy, French-Canadian, probably a decent guy. But right now, he's my enemy. So, and I'm revved up. I'm fucking pissed off. Now, I'm, I got to wake the kids up, wake the girls up. 
9, 11, 11, drag them out on their way back to Canada. The first like good road trip in the States that they're going to remember is getting hauled in by the man when they get home. So I, I just jump out. I'm revved up. I got the passports. I got the fucking, uh, they gave me the passports, actually. I should mention, which is new, because usually they keep the passports. Yeah. And don't give them. So they gave me the passports, and dude, it ran through my head to just fucking go. <laughs> you know, let, they'll deal with the cops when they pull me over. And uh, I'll find out if the RCMP has the jurisdiction to drag an Indian back to the border. Anyway, I pull over gate two. I get out. I'm pissed. Buddy asked for my keys, asked for the passports. I kind of fucking slam it into his chest a little bit i'm like here you go motherfucker and uh the other guy drags sean and the kids off the side he's talking to her i guess he's asking her if i'm okay if i need you know what's going on with me and she's like well you guys do this every time he's fucking had it he's had it with you guys now you're doing it in front of his kids so i'm screaming at buddy good for her they take us off to the room put us in the room we go off to the bathroom come back well, hang on, hang on. I will mention you... every fucking person in that room is an Indian. Every single one. It turns out because Shauna got talking to the the one lady. And it's an Indian who gets searched for seven years because she got caught smuggling with undeclared tobacco. Come oh, on. come on. Oh, yeah. Dude, oh, if I had God. time to get some like, phone numbers and stuff. This and is just unbel- like, unbelievable. So we're in the room with the kids in the waiting room, they call it, I guess, for... Fifteen minutes. So, but 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 wait. Before you go there, like you 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 push the passport of the guy. Like he must have been a little bit like offended. Maybe he was like ready to put hands on you or something like that. Like well, that came up later when I came out of the room. That's when like buddy's like, well, we almost put hands on you. I was like, cool, <laughs> cool. He's like, so, well, that one. He's like, well, just but did he comment you. at all when you when you like did he say like, anything? Cool, man, you? I'll do what I got to do, and you do what you got to do, and I don't give a fuck, man. That's what he said, or. My wife will film it and we'll make you famous. You know, I don't give a fuck, dude. I'm not going to bow down to you here. There's no, there's no, gonna be none of that. I'm sick and fucking tired of it. So him and I went back and forth for, you know, 10 minutes. And we it started off ex- pretty heated. I think the kids thought I was going to get arrested because I was <laughs> yelling at him. You know how I get, man. I won't fucking have it. And, uh, and so at the end of it, we had kind of calmed down to the point where I'm like, well, how the fuck? He's like, well, it's not a, it's not a cell. It's a waiting room. I was like, yeah. How would you feel if your kids were in that fucking waiting room? How would you feel then? If you were coming back from your family vacation, kids are excited to camp back in Alberta tonight, back in Canada. And now we're going to sit in this fucking jail cell for four hours where you guys rip all their shit apart. They're going to, you're going to, you already went through the truck and trashed all their shit. Now you're going to go through all their suitcases, trash all their souvenirs or seashells, all that shit. What would you do? You know? How what would you say? Well, they say, you know, the same old, I'm just doing my job shit. And I'm like, yeah, cool, man. Well, I'm just doing my job. And I was making sure that my kids know what the fuck freedom is one day because guys like you doing your job don't fucking take it all away. And as long as you're here and your boss ain't here, you're the, you're the only guy I got to talk to. You're the fucking guy. You're the dude. So, sorry. I'm doing my yeah. job. You're doing yeah. your job and I'm doing my job. And if your job involves fucking putting hands on this fucking Indian, then you go ahead, do your job. So he sends me back to the room. And uh, like five minutes later, he just comes back and he's like, all right, you guys can go. Now, five minutes? 
Well, I also had mentioned that if you want to go through the trailer, you say, I was like, you're on your fucking own, dude. Don't fucking ask me. Don't do nothing. I'm not fucking getting involved. And if you break it, you fucking bought it. And uh, yeah, after that, it was only about five minutes. Oh, that's good. And then he came back and he's like, you guys go. He's like, here's the, if you go to this website and you file this sort of complaint, then they'll have no choice but to, uh, but to, uh, to put you harder on the radar. And blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I can't tell you. I was like, so does this fucking thing go on forever or what? And he's like, well, I can't tell you how long it lasts. Oh, sorry, sorry. I interrupted you. I interrupted you. I said, go to the website and do what? File a complaint. About what? About being well, searched? He said he was going to put in a thing that I shouldn't be getting searched too. He's like, they don't listen to us. So he's like, but it honestly means more coming from the people who are crossing the border because it's this complaint thing and it does a flag and it has to be addressed. It has to be responded to by a human, basically, is what he said. And then he was like, Donna was like, how long does it last? He's like, well, I can't say. But if you're doing any more traveling for the rest of the year, it's worth filing the complaint. But I'm not going to bother, I don't think. I tried to do it then when I was like revved up and I don't think it went through. I actually think I put it through as a compliment. So that got an email that said, it looks like you filed this as a compliment, but it looks like a complaint. <laughs> so do you wonder? So there is definitely some sort of AI looking at it at some point. I'm not going to bother. I'm going to go back to plan A, which is filling the back of my truck with fucking garbage on my, on my way home so they can go through, you know, whatever, whatever they, they find you. Cause I'm usually either camping or we're like at the events. Right. And the events are great. Cause a bunch of people are drinking beers and drinking those things. You throw all those in a can and throw them in the back of my truck under my black tunnel cover for a couple of days. And there's not something I want to be digging through. So that's how I'm going to play it. They can, I'm going to go back to digging through trash. Dude, when I had that garbage in the back of my truck last time, didn't search me. The only time he comes out, sends me to the other side because I think they're x-raying me. I do. I think they x-rayed my trailer and decided not to pop it up because there's no noticeable firearms there. I bet you because I took the pellet guns out before we went, I bet you the pellet guns were still in there. They would have ripped it open. Right, probably, yeah. Because they would have seen the outline of a gun on their radar. You can kind of see what's going on when you're in that room, you know, what what they've got. So, so they don't care about bows and arrows and stuff, though? No. Tasers and stun guns. It's so weird, eh? How they choose. Bow and arrows, okay, but... He's like, well, what else would we have found? So you can find my bong and a bunch of one-hitters again. You told them that? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I got no nothing to hide, man. I've got nothing to hide. Which is what did what, he say when you said that? Nothing. Because no. last time they brought the, the first time they really ripped my shit apart, dude, for three hours. Like, every, like, every. like I got some soap this and time. They had a fucking dog. They had a dog come in and then buddy like came in and had my like six one hitters that he found because last time was my old truck that I had for years. So there's like one hitters crammed down in little spots. I didn't even know about six. Yeah. So he had six. <laughs> He's like, found all these, but no weed. And I was like, yeah, it's because I'm not a fucking idiot. And he's like, I'm just messy. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a trip. Wow. It was fun. Right on. Which pretty much, you know, takes up all of our time. Yeah. But we should, we did want to mention that uh, support is like, 
We got to get some bad news out. We have some bad news to get out, and and uh, I would caveat that by saying support is embarrassingly low for this show. It's never been. This hasn't been as low for the Grammaric show as it is right now in probably six years, five or six years since we first started sort of ramping up support. People started supporting the show. Um, it's back down around there. I mean, it's really. If we didn't, if it wasn't for outlawed and audiobooks, we'd be out of business. And uh, we've been, we've got some audiobook trouble. We're up against the beast again, where they are, after we had our Kindle trouble last time, that has now translated over to our audiobook collection of 95 titles, which accounts for about 70, 70% of our revenue, at least here. Um, Maybe seventy-five. Basically, I'll and, be looking for a job. Yeah, basically, Graham's going to be looking for a job again. Uh, my retirement prospects are down until we can figure out what we're going to do. I mean, we still got some meetings this week, but they're basically saying because that Kindle account is no longer there, that the uh, audiobook thing can't exist. And Amazon don't seem to give a fuck about. Uh, Shit, we can't even really get through to a real person. So it seems it seems like there's no way around the fact that there's going to be a temporary interruption in that income for at least a couple of months while we try and re-up it under a different uh, alias or what we're still going to figure out what those options are if we have to come up with a new strategy altogether. It could be a, you know, a little bit longer than that. Um, so here we are. Hoping that some of you guys that are still listening to this show, which is still by the numbers, you know, 10, 10 times more popular than our other show. Uh, hopefully you guys can uh, start. We need some value back. You know, if you're getting some value from the podcast here, it's, I think it's episode 600 and what now? 15? Six, 615 maybe? I don't know. 611? Six no six twelve. So this is six thirteen. Yeah, I mean it's it's sad because we built up a whole library of audiobooks and and at the flick of a switch they can just turn it off basically without even really telling you why. I mean I'm not saying that's exactly what happened. I we we don't we don't know where where it's at right now. It, it's not necessarily a cancel culture thing, although that could play into it. So we're we're still trying to figure out the details. But either way, like any sort of backup plan solution is really very very uh minimal compared to compared to what we can get through on audible and uh and it's also a lot of work so yeah so we still think we have uh a couple of avenues to stay on audible but that's gonna require a lot of work in the background and at least a few months to get it repopulated and then you know, hopefully paying out again. We're gonna lose all of the reviews on that if that happens. So Oh shit, right. A little yeah. longer to build some of that up. And this just happened so, today. So Yeah, this just happened this morning. So here we are recording back at it. Another show. Uh nothing there's gonna change. We'll keep coming at you. But uh and we should mention about, we should ahead. mention about out outlawed too though. We're doing extra shows on outlawed because we got some stuff that we want to talk about as well. Like maybe we'll get into the details of this actually on Outlawed, but we're doing an extra weekly show ourselves on Outlawed plus another weekly show with the guests. 
and you can see videos videos of those too on rumble and substack and locals we have a show a week with a guest yeah and a news update a week right yeah yeah kind of a roundup just with us over things that we want to talk about that aren't getting enough attention in the media or maybe some media deconstruction just just weekly shit that we need to talk about yeah, that we need a place to talk about. We can't, you know, I'm kicked off all the socials, so I can't do it there anymore. And, we, you know, I oh. can't do it on this show because it's on YouTube. And, you know, a lot of what we're talking about is kind of, especially on the plus ones. So we do free ones and we do plus ones. The plus ones are where we do the real stuff, like the shit that gets us kicked off everything. that We're not allowed to fucking post on Twitter or Facebook anyway. Speaking of that, I did start a Twitter account because you can't get yours back back on there. So follow me at Grimerica Outlaw is my handle on Twitter. So I'm trying to build that up a little bit, get some followers, because we will be putting our our videos and, and stuff on there too. Once I I'm on there long enough to get a, a blue a blue check on the X, I guess it's called now. Follow us on the X. That just changed today as well. Lots of changes. Try and appeal again now that it's X. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Uh, You can follow me on Instagram. That's the only one I stopped accepting Facebook friends. Uh, So you can follow me on Instagram at Darren underscore Grimes underscore if you want. But like I say, let me get back to the if you are getting some value from this podcast. If you haven't donated yet, if you haven't checked your subscription in a while, uh, that'd be helpful because we do have a lot of failed payments all the time. I don't even know if they notify you when that's happening. So grandamerica.ca slash support, guys, if you can, when you can. It's literally never been more important to support the show. I mean, when we first started, it was kind of important, but Graham had a job and stuff then, and now he doesn't. So we're at a real real crossroads where he's going to be looking for a job in weeks. If, uh, if we can't find some way to spin this around or drum up some support, I mean, if we get 10% of you guys donating 10 bucks a month, all those problems will go away awfully quick. We understand if you can't. If you can't do that, maybe you could tell people about the show because uh, we're kicked off of fucking everything and shadow banned on the rest. We're not, you know, shareable. My profile's not shareable. Our YouTube isn't really, you know, you won't be, we can't be shown in search or anything like that. So we can only be shown if you guys tell people about us. That's the best way to do it. We got the Substack newsletter you can sign people up to outlawed stuff but uh let's see the the second best way to add value to the show other than financially would probably be by telling people about the show and uh you know third is just being there and listening because we couldn't do without you i love you guys for doing that but uh we're in somewhat of dire straits here in grand america where we need you to uh support the show if you can you know we've never only said it's as it's dire, but it's actually dire right now, especially if over the next few months. Like I say, hopefully in three months from now, this is sorted out and we've got uh, a new ACX account up and running. But uh, between now and then, you know, we're, we're going to be quite short on our month to month obligations and uh, stuff like that. So if you guys can head over to America.ca slash support today and sign up, that'd be great. Tell your friends about the show. Also, I got a Google. Uh, I want to sell a Google Pixel Pixel Six Pro, Pixel Six Pro. 
It's uh, what I got to make a, a no agenda phone on. So it's got the Graphene OS that I'll leave on there, but I'll just take everything else off the phone. I used it for sort of a camera and, and uh, videos and stuff and some apps, but I, I want to get rid of it because I ended up going back to the iPhone. So um, if anybody wants it, I think they're selling for around 400 bucks, but they can make me an offer and I'll ship it to you. Um, email me, Graham at GrahamAmerica.com. Yeah, if you get too many it's hits, good on shape. Them, you know, I have one it's of those good. around here someplace. It's got too. a case and everything, yeah. I can't figure out how to get the graphene off. Well, I won't bother. Some, I mean, it's pretty much no for agenda no agenda. Phone. Yeah, it's a no agenda phone. Yeah. All right, what else you got? Well, I mean, this is like a, I mean, we should have mentioned this at the beginning, but this is a great episode with Ron James, who's like, the media, the media guy for MUFON, and he's got this this movie called Accidental Truth Out, which is quite interesting about the UFO thing. I mean, this is UFO week. I mean, this is like, there's a Wednesday, there's the hearings. I mean, there's a big sort of fuss about the government, you know, saying that some of it is, they're overclassifying stuff. I think it's like the DIA and the CIA don't want to fucking, uh, or is it the Air Force and the DOD? That they don't want to cooperate with the, with Congress, and there there's all this outrage, and I can't tell if it's fake or not. I mean, it's probably fake, but um, either way, like disclosure seems to be sort of happening. So, I mean, I wanted to talk about about that. I have a little clip here for you. It's only like a minute long, but this goes back to like Donald Kehoe in the fifties and the sixties, and this is just a good little I saw summary it Shark here. Week. Shark Week! Oh my God. Okay, ready? Can you hear this? Hundreds of competent people, and I'd like to name a few. Captain Richard Case, American Airlines. Captain C.S. Childs, Eastern Airlines. Captain T. Kravitz, TWA. Robert Dickens, TWA. Colonel Donald J. Blakesley, U.S. Air Force, a wing commander. I could go down the list of uh, people who know what they're doing, and they're still on duty. They're still flying. Major Kehoe, what would you like to see done about flying saucers that is not currently being done? What steps would you like to see taken? I think the American people should write to their congressman and insist that open hearings be held by the Senate Committee on Permanent on the Permanent Committee on Government Operations, which has been looking into this for six months. We have spacecraft from another species. We do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Tim Burgess from Tim That's the whistleblower. Congressional District, and we're going to have some. Uh, the rest of the Congress folks are going to fill in here in a second. Um, next Wednesday, July 26th at 10 a.m., the House Oversight Committee will hold a hearing on on unidentified anomalous phenomena, UAPs, I prefer to call them UFOs. They do exist, but they don't exist. They keep telling us they don't exist, but they block every opportunity for us to get a hold of the information to prove that they do exist. And we're going to get to the bottom of it, dadgummit, whatever the truth may be. We're done with the cover-up. <laughs> From hundred, <laughs> We're done with the cover-up. God darn it. Was Dog darn it. What's that? Was that the quote? No, I got a quote. A profound UFO quote? I do. Do you have the jingle? I might. Found UFO quote. That's, nope. some, that's different, that one. That's... Found UFO quote. Okay, 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 okay. No, this is awesome. Found UFO quote. All the week. That's the same one, I think. You think it's the same one? Yeah. Is it this one? Down a grave, there it is. Going deep. 
It's a profound UFO quote of the week. Words to ponder and critique. It's a profound UFO quote of the week. All right. I found a Twitter... I found a Twitter account, UFO quote of the day. Cause remember I went through all these pages. Like I had the physical copies of pages that I would go through hundreds of UFO quotes going back to 2013. So guess who this is and guess when this is no longer were the discs just white. In some cases they were in technicolor with orange, the predominant hue. I don't know who. New York Times. Massive. New York Times. 1947. So anonymous? 1947. Yeah. New York Times. July 7th, Roswell. 1947. What day was Roswell? Well, it was, it seems to be that weekend. Yeah, you're right, but doesn't seem to fit the case. It wasn't the same thing? No. You don't think so? Well, no, that was a crash, not a not a sighting. I'm sure they're quoting other people's sightings back then. Alleged crash. But I mean, it's getting a lot of, I mean, AOC was talking about it. I mean, this is getting lots of like mainstream coverage. I mean, space.com is talking about, you know, UFO Congress is holding UFO hearings this week. Might What might we learn? The chorus of voices yeah. calling for the U.S. government to spill the beans on possible alien visitation on Earth is louder than ever. But are we ready for such a revelation? It's not happening. Dude, I mean, it's, they, they're gonna, they're gonna try. They're gonna say nope. aliens exist, and they're gonna do a test case on whether how we're gonna, how is the world gonna react to the superpower saying that, like, yes, something is out there, and they're gonna, they're gonna control this disclosure, and they're gonna allow us, like, like the guys on the Union of the Unwanted said today, like Mike from OBDM, the one percent they'll give us. We're talking about, you know, better data needed the world views would change i mean now we're talking about like we need to have like astral theology and astral ethics and that's curious it's not happening what not happening what's not happening this all this it is happening it's happening right in front of us and i'm not saying it's not a psyop and i'm not saying i buy it but it's happening yeah imminent like eight years ago dude what there's a UFO Congress. No, this is this is this is like the dude. This is the congressional hearings. Not it was a congressional hearing. It was dude in front of the Congress people. Yeah, but this is uh yeah, yeah. Well, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. It's all happening. That's so the time. Talk, they're talking about imminent disclosure and and the and the different consequences from it. And uh they will they will they will do it. They will control it. All right. Have you got but a how's the, Here's the big question. How is the phenomena going to respond to this accelerated disclosure? There's already way more sightings now than ever. I mean, really, if you look at, like, just go on UFO Twitter. I mean, the sightings are unbelievable. They're off the charts. Crazy shit really? flying around. Oh. So how um, is that going to respond? It's not. It's going to abduct Graham Dunlop. Take me away right now. This is a good week for it. Just take me away right now. Do they pay by the hour? Yeah, bio. Oh, damn! I forgot. Um, hang on. Let me check. 
This is oh, the, your, your job. I, was. I forgot the bio, though. Let me just check something out. I can find it here. It's been a busy it's, day. It's been a crazy day. We got my gonna get boat kill on the weekend. We'll talk about that next week. You got what? A boat, my first boat kill. Boat kill? What does that mean? Oh. Oh, bow kill, yeah. So Ron James is a filmmaker and director of and of media relations for MUFON, the mutual UFO network. And he's he's made this new film called Accidental Truth, UFO Re- Revelations. And he's also um, you know, He's been into this for quite a while. He made the disclosure dialogues about, I think it was about 10 years ago. We talked about that in there. Um, this 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 film has won like 12 awards from festivals and competitions worldwide. There you go. There you have it. It's a good one. Enjoy the chat. It's fabulous Ron James. Support the show if you can. Ron James, welcome to Grey America. Congratulations on all the awards for your Accidental Truth movie. Well, thank you. It's uh, it's very gratifying to to know that people appreciate the film and that other filmmakers have uh, recognized it. We've won thirteen so far. Thirteen awards. Wow, that's great. Yeah, like we were yeah. talking about. I mean, so I you get these one. little cool trophies. Like yeah, this yeah. one is the uh, Award of Excellence for Documentary Feature from the Accolade Film Awards. So that, that's a cool one. I got my favorite ones right here. Yeah, show the, us the that Parapod. one. <laughs> this is, this is the, the coolest award I've gotten yet. It's an alien with a movie reel in his head. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you just got to love that. Yeah, that's cool, man, because it's it's been, you know, you've been working on it for, I guess, a year and a half or a couple of years at least. And for the timing for it to come out with, with such a, I mean, it, it really is like you could argue that disclosures kind of happened in the midst of all this. So really interesting interesting timing well, you know you know what's really cool is that the people in the film are the ones making all these disclosure headlines when, yeah. when i made accidental truth i wanted to make a film that left no more breathing room for these guys there, there's just nowhere else they could go there's no more ways to beat around the bush we cover everything that's in the news today and ralph blumenthal who's in the movie he uh he's the one that broke the story about david grush uh gary nolan who's in the movie came out publicly saying that we absolutely have crashed debris and that there are um, probably AI robots. And um, Chris Mellon wrote a new op-ed in Politico saying that he really thinks uh, we need to come clean about crash debris. All these guys are in my movie saying this before it happened. And, well, you know, I've, and I've been told that the accidental truth kind of helped be like the straw that broke the camel's back. And these guys just don't have anywhere else to, to continue to, to lie. Nice. 
Yeah, even like you caught Lou Elizondo while it was early, right? Before he kind of got had to sort of clamp down and watch what he what what he had to say. Yeah, I got Lou pretty good, and it's in the film. It's one of the reasons it's called Accidental Truth. Maybe can you touch on that a little bit more in detail? Uh, sure. So when um when you know the story first broke yeah, before uh, all these guys from TTSA and and everything got really famous and everybody started copywriting their pictures. Um, I did get a really good studio quality interview with Lou Elizondo. And in it, I asked him specifically if there was kind of an interdimensional element to all of this. And his uh, his answer was, uh, well, you know, we looked at all that and they could be coming from outer space or they could be coming from inside the earth. They could be coming from another dimension. We just don't know. And I said, you know, right back to him is like, uh, OK, so there is a they. And that just stymied him. And the look on his face is one of those MasterCard moments. It's just priceless. <laughs> well, also, also, I mean, Bigelow went out and said on your movie, he went out and just straight out said like hundred percent, there's oh, yeah. something else. There is a, they, I don't I can't remember if he used like ET or, no, he said or whatever, but he actually said what we call the A word in the movie, the aliens. Yeah. Yeah. And then Lou Elizondo also said like, you got to take that guy seriously. Like he's, he's, yeah, yeah. you know, the only private person that's put a, the satellite up or whatever he said at little space station. So he's, you know, he's, he's done the work and you got to take him seriously. You know, I've seen, I've had people write comments about how there's, you know, this, this movie is a rehash of, of information. There's so much new information in it that wasn't out when I put the movie out. And of course, yeah, now it's today's headlines, but um, the people who say that kind of thing, they're, they're not paying attention to the film. It's meant to be, a historical document that that um, freezes a place in history and gives everybody from experienced ufologists all the way to people that are armchair aficionados the ability to understand the topic. And, th and there's no sensationalism in it. There's no wild claims. There's nothing that doesn't have a, a pretty good evidence chain um, for it. And that's why I call it a historical document rather than just another one of those uh, screamy UFO movies where everybody walks around calling conspiracy and and doesn't really offer up anything that that gives us any solid evidence. And you called it accidental truth because you know the truth is leaking its way out when these people are talking about stuff when these official people are having to be careful what they say like inevitably it comes out. Yeah, that's pretty much what the reason for the title is like um, I think I defined it in the beginning is that an yeah. accidental truth is what happens when a combination of statements and evidence lead one to a conclusion that was not originally intended to be revealed. And that's a mouthful, but it says a lot too. Yeah. So what, what made you like, what, why did you decide to go and do this film? You've already, you already had like the disclosure archive. What was it called again? The disclosure, yeah, the disclosure archive. Dialogues. Yeah, I did the disclosure dialogues and, and other stuff over the years. And we'll get into your sort of your work with MUFON too, but what, what, what made you come out with this one? Well, it was, when I made the Disclosure Dialogues in 2012, well, it won the awards in 2012. I made it in like 2011. It was at that time the definitive film about the state of disclosure. And I wasn't going to make another UFO film until I really thought I could move the ball. And I really felt like Accidental Truth does. And it all stemmed from the interview with Lou um, where he said that. But then uh, there was so much more that happened after that. I, Jesus, that's where I got the idea, Accidental Truth. That's where the whole thing came from. Um, but then I realized that I had Christopher Mellon, you know, basically doing the same thing. 
and uh, that beautiful moment with Robert Bigelow uh, that uh, George Knapp captured. And then, um, you know, every, other people giving us more accidental truths. Uh, Gary Nolan taught, you know, admitting the whole uh, classified materials thing. So we just had uh, the film just kept getting better and better and bigger and bigger because I didn't have Congressman Tim Burchett and Gary Nolan, Ralph Blumenthal and Dr. Michio Kaku. And of course, Matt, Matthew Modine, who narrates. I didn't have any of those guys when I started the film. I just kept, you know, I kept making it a work in progress and I just wanted it to get bigger and bigger and better. So what does it feel like now that after the movie comes out, there's all this other stuff is flooding out. I mean, you've got the, like you mentioned, the grush, the grush whistleblower kind of thing. I'd like to know what you think about that. And also like Greer had his disclosure 2.0 the other day. It's had like 1.5 million or 1.3 million views over 10 days. Like it, it just seems like a, a perfect storm here. You know, I think it's really interesting. I was a little nervous about because my film got sandwiched in between a film that Greer's in and his film Lost Century. And I was like, man, I got like six weeks to, to for this film to do okay. And then there were problems with the distribution and, and the marketing and everything else. It was just a total letdown. But all of us are are doing pretty well. Accidental Truth has stayed in the top 10 for the whole 10 weeks it's been out. And Greer's movie coming out, where we all show up together on Amazon. So it's it's fantastic. But the film itself is it it's, makes the case for all the things that David Grush is saying. Uh, that's, that's what the whole film's about. It's about government programs to reverse engineer stuff. It's about the fact that we've recovered craft and materials and the evidence chain that already existed before Ralph Blumenthal did this with David. So, uh, you know, it really did push the envelope, I think. And yeah. it feels absolutely amazing to watch, you know, the guys that are in my movie, all of a sudden they're on TV with brand new stuff. And, and, and it's like, well, you saw it here first, folks. <laughs> So what, I mean, I don't want to jump too deep into this right away, but we might as well. Like, so what do you, what do we do? What advice do you have for, for a sort of skeptical conspiracy theorist where I don't know if you've seen that meme. It's like the government tells the people like UFOs aren't real and all the conspiracy theorists are like UFOs are real. And then the government, like in 2023, the government's like aliens are here and the conspiracy theorists are saying, don't, you know, they're not here. Don't believe your government. So, and I know you're pretty skeptical of NASA and the government and, and, uh, so, so, so are we like, I don't know what to believe now. I'm, I'm sort of, I like to, to believe it's a, all of the above thing, the ETH, the interdimensional stuff, like, mm -hmm. it, you know, it covers the gamut, but now that the yeah. government all of a sudden accepting this now, you know, my, the hackles on the back of my neck are kind of raised and I'm like, well, I don't know what to believe now. I don't know, you know, why now? Like, is it a distraction? Like, so how, what, what advice do you have for us that are sort of skeptical of any kind of government narrative? Well, you know, I say watch the movie because it really unfolds all of that. It, it really is my statement on the topic. We we prove that in the 1950s, the same exact thing, almost the same verbiage, like they couldn't even hire a new screenwriter, was being said by Air Force officials at the time that was being said by these groups that just came out. And, you know, the fact that it's almost a verbatim points to something. And that something is that the narrative is being adopted for, for new alternative facts. And the problem with what we're getting, and we're gonna get some form of disclosure more than we've ever had. It's, some could argue that we've already had it, um, but we're being given a new story. It's a new narrative. And the story is, we didn't do anything after Project Blue Book. We didn't think about it. And 
now all of a sudden there's interest again. And what that story serves is to cover up all these things that Grush is talking about and all these things we're talking about in Accidental Truth and to cover up the, the biggest you know, deception ever put on humanity. And so they're doing this so that they don't have to be accountable for what they've done and, and they can reinvent the story like it's brand new. And that is the that is the flaw with what we're seeing. And I think they have to do it at some point because, the, you know, Elon Musk is going to land on Mars and, and nobody's going to be able to control what he reports. Uh, Webb is going to find something. And so I, I'm sorry, I know your question was to address skeptics. The, I did a show the other day, um, News First or First News with a host and he was a skeptic and I, and I had to tell him, I'm like, dude, you're just on the wrong side of history. Watch my film because it lays it out in a logical manner. That's really hard to impugn. And then just start paying attention to what's going on. And if you're still not convinced, just sit back because it's going to be delivered right to you. Well, yeah, and, and, and I don't mean skeptic as in like, they don't believe in the phenomena. I mean, I'm talking about like sort of deeper conspiracy theorists that just, would would tend to think it's more of a psyop than a reality, you know, like, like how do we, you know, everybody's talking about blue beam now and, and people are like, well, you know, this is, this is black project stuff. It's, it's all like uh skunk works and, and Raytheon and, and uh, they're just using ET as a cover up. Like, what do you well, think? They got the technology from somewhere. I mean, it's, it's no secret among people that research this, that cut, you know, places like, um, like Raytheon and, and the others, uh, Northrop Grumman, Lockheed, that they were in receipt of technology to back engineer. And um, the idea that they invented this technology and there is no extraterrestrial technology behind it, I, the evidence suggests otherwise. And the idea that they're going to try to do some kind of Project Blue Beam alien invasion, that's been floated around for a long time. Richard Dolan wrote a book about false flags, and I interviewed him, it's been about six years ago, and we talked about this. His feeling is that a Project Blue Beam would be really hard to pull off. Everybody knows you can fake just about everything. And, you know, the whole idea that aliens are coming, let's all unite under one world order and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I think Dr. Greer's got it more right than the people that are thinking Project Blue Beam. And he says that, you know, if there is going to be that kind of conspiracy that turns people against extraterrestrials, it's going to be bad for them and it's going to be even worse for us. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think that this is part of a conspiracy to bring about Blue Beam, but it's definitely part of a conspiracy to get away with all the lies that they've been telling. They're going to come up with some of this new stuff like, oh, look, we just found this new propulsion thing. Right, you know? exactly. And, 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 the energy, and the energy, like they'll come out with yeah. now a new energy that all of a sudden was discovered. Yeah, once they've milked the earth for every last drop of oil and every last gas with gas, and, and the oil companies can all figure out how to take this new free energy device and, and profit off of it. That then all of a sudden they'll discover it. And, and you know, look, we got NASA. Woohoo! NASA is going to study UAP. I mean, wow. I'm amazed. Thank you, NASA. Well, I've heard you Not predict. Well, make that prediction that, that you think about what NASA is going to come up with next. Oh, well, you know, the, the, I think the next play in the, in the whole overall playbook is some sort of acknowledgement of life uh, off of Earth. It might be a microbe on Mars. It might be Webb Telescope just found another planet and they appear to have city lights. Um, you know, it's going to be something like that. Um, yeah, I'm seeing that uh, comment out of the corner of my eye. Yeah, NASA is uh, 
pure BS as far as that stuff goes. I mean, they found life on Mars in 1976 and covered it up. So, what was the life? Like real life or like microbial life? Well, you know, microbial life is your is your caveat because you can you can acknowledge life without having to admit any kind of intelligence. And so all of these agencies are like all about microbial life because, you know, I don't know, maybe it doesn't come with the need to uh, establish communication. So for some reason, microbial life has been this catchphrase has been used for years and years and years. Oh, there might be microbial life on Europa. There might be microbial life on Mars. And I agree with you. What's up with this microbial stuff? <laughs> it's not microbes that are flying around in our atmosphere. And it's not microbes that genetically engineered humanity, um, if that happened. So I don't know why they're so hung up on microbes. But what did they find on Mars in 19, did you say 1983? Yeah, in 1976, they designed a test to to test for uh, for life basically on Mars. And it had three different processes and it was determined that if two out of three of these processes came back positive, then that would, uh, that would definitively prove that there was or had been life on Mars. So they launch Viking, it lands on Mars, it does the test, two out of three of them come back positive for life, finding organic elements and, and you know, the trace things in the, in the Martian soil. And what does NASA do? They change the guidelines for the test so that they could say the tests were inconclusive or did not prove life, even though they did based on the tests they designed. So the guy, his name's Gil something, I can't remember, but he's a scientist that actually designed the programs. To this day, he is challenging NASA that, that yes, they found signs of life on Mars in 1976, and they, and they just decided that that wasn't convenient. No, they put it in their back pocket for like 40, 50 years, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, they, it was a public thing. Uh, it's not like they hit it. They just said that it, they literally changed the parameters. So instead of two out of three proving uh, positive and, and thereby being a, a positive result, they disqualified one of the tests. So yeah. it was one out of three, which yeah. didn't count. What about that face on Mars? Do you think that's real? It, you know, it, it could be something. I, you know, it's like it, it, that's in the gray box. Uh, John Brandenburg, who's a good friend of mine, believes that it's remnants of an ancient civilization. Um, and it could be. Uh, his his theory about how Mars was hit by some sort of nuclear attack, nobody's really been able to debunk that. The, yeah. the isotopes that, that are in the Martian atmosphere only come that we know of from a nuclear explosion. And I always get told to pronounce that word wrong. But And they don't come from anywhere else. They can come from a supernova. But if they come from a supernova, they would be equally spread throughout our solar system. They wouldn't just be in the Martian atmosphere. And so, yeah, there's a there's a pretty good case that whatever was on Mars got wiped out by nukes. Yeah, yeah, and there's only big, you know, some megalithic remnants in Sidonia there left over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the the thing I heard about Bluebeam recently, which kind of shocked me, was, and I wish I could remember who I heard it from, or. I, and I don't even, I thought it was one of our shows, but I, I went back with a friend trying to find out who it was, but their theory was that, um, and I, I don't know if I buy this or not, but I mean, everything that's been going on in the last couple of years and they think that a city will get wiped out and then they'll just blame, it won't be like a bunch of ships showing up all over the place. And it's like, oh, ET's here and it'll be a bunch of holograms. It'll be like, there'll be a, a destruction of a city and they'll blame it on, 
on ETs or some other sort of intelligence. But why? And that's how it'll go down, you know, for the control. What city? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. The the, the idea, like Ronald Reagan said, that we're all suddenly going to come together just because we find out there's aliens. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure it'd be more like, you know, China wants to be the first one to sacrifice Americans to the aliens. It's, it's not going to be like China, Russia and America are suddenly kumbaya against DT. It's going to be like, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So if we could just get the aliens to wipe out the Americans, that's 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 a pretty good page out of the playbook. So how do you, how do you reconcile the, the ETs that have been contacting the government and allowing this to be uh, this to be sort of hidden for so long. I mean, I've I've gone out and C five. We do our C fives in Calgary. I've done them for a few years back, and we've had results. Like we've made contact with something. I don't know what it is, but so you know, I I sort of like I said, I believe in all of the above. But but I mean, it it it's it's what frustrated me a few years ago is I you know I read a couple of books on on the ETs sort of being. Um, you know, like, why are they, why do they need us, this, this grassroots movement to raise the consciousness so that they'll come forward? Like, why can't they just come out and fucking help us or stop the secrecy themselves if they were involved to begin with? Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't speak for MUFON when I say this, but my, my personal take on, on this stuff is that there, there probably is a galactic federation, federation. of some kind. It only makes sense. If you're a bunch of spacefaring races with crazy technology, how do you not destroy each other? You come together in even a loose, fragile affiliation. And, and if that's true, then, you know, we're an intelligent species, kind of, that, it has, that shows promise. And there could very well be a hands-off, let them evolve. And if they make it, then we reveal ourselves and we invite them into a, a galactic future. And if they don't make it, then they just get ground up into the planet and we start again with new seeds. Um, so it's kind of up to us. But I think the reason they're not going to help us overtly is because, and again, it's just my thoughts, there's probably more than one faction and Earth is probably a pretty valuable piece of real estate. And there's probably different species that would like to see a different outcome. And so it's kind of like, you know, cloak and dagger espionage on Earth. You got, you got the, it's, it's officially hands off, but then you got the one species doing a little bit here and there just to kind of provoke things. And then you got other species that are making contact and, and giving people experience or things where it's a spiritually transformative experience and they're approaching it from a whole different way. So it's hands off, but everybody's fudging it a little bit. And it's, but it's still up to us. And right now we're not doing too good. How do you, how do you see this playing out in the in the next year or two with, with disclosure? Uh, well, you know, I'm plugged in a little bit in Washington, D.C. I just found out today that I'm going to be involved in preparing a briefing for Congress about the materials uh, stuff. Um, so that's pretty, pretty fun. Um, so I know that I, I, I've, I had lunch with Andre Carson, the guy who put on the first UFO hearing and, I keep contact with Tim Burchett. He's in my movie, and and now he's heading up the uh, committee that's going to investigate the David Grush thing. One thing that people don't understand is that these people really care about this, and they know they're being lied to just like everybody else. So you're you're not going to find a lot of mid-level politicians, people in the House, people in the Senate, 
that are like helping to keep this thing a secret. Obviously, they can't share classified information that they've been given, but they, they are not the ones responsible for the deception. It's people that will not even answer to them that right. they're doing this. It's way above, and that must be sort of revealing to them too to know that they don't even have fucking control over this. They're like they've got yeah. other people that are way above the governmental system that won't won't allow access. Well, you know what? They didn't believe it before. They believe it now. And trust me, a lot of them are not happy about it. I um I have a video I'm going to release as a as a um, kind of like a bonus feature for Accidental Truth. I went to Tim Burchett's office and I set up two cameras in his office and I sat there and I interviewed him for an hour plus. And one of the very first things I did was outline to him everything from Roswell forward and how the whole thing worked and how and how it was implemented. And so when I see that he's going to be going and leading this committee to investigate the David Grush stuff, I know for a fact that he knows about this stuff because I told him. And I videotaped it and I'm going to put it out. It's going to be the first ever video of a UFO investigator briefing a member of Congress, a sitting member in their office. And um, and I'm just going to put it out and give it away for free. Uh, but it's it's pretty cool. So these politicians are not really the enemy we, we might have once thought they were when it comes to UFO disclosure. When when will that come out, do you think, that video? Um, I'm actually working on it right now. So I'm going to put out, I, I've created a website um, inside of MUFON TV called AT Insider. And the movie is going to kind of like, we're, we're still shooting stuff and editing stuff so that we can continue to tell the story that's, that's told in the movie. Yeah. And that'll all be free. Darren, what about uh, when you, when you prepare for, for Congress, when you, you know, you said you've been asked, is that, you, are you putting your MUFON hat on for that then? Like, is that part of MUFON? Or? Yeah, this is because MUFON, we've been lobbying in Washington, DC and they, they made me, I, I did a joint venture with them to create MUFON television, which I run and, and own half of, but they also made me their official media relations director. So I'm the guy that gets to work on all the shows like ancient aliens and arrange interviews and go on TV for MUFON. So, so I'm plugged in at the top. I'm one of the five national directors. And we've been lobbying in Washington, D.C. We have this amazing company called A10 and Associates. It's owned by a lady named Jessica Taco, who is the, uh, the owner of the biggest female-owned lobbying firm in the world. And this lady knows everybody. If you call her up and say, you know, she got me my interview with Tim Burchett. She got me. She got us lunch with Andre Carson. And we're in Washington actively moving this thing ahead. MUFON was actually responsible for talking Andre Carson into having that hearing. It, it was us that said, hey, why don't we do this? And he did. And we also got to change some of the wording in the uh, Defense Appropriations Act. We got to change a, a couple of sections to be more favorable for disclosure. So we've been busy in D.C. And there's a lot of people out there saying they're busy in D.C., but I haven't seen many of them. <laughs> Well, hopefully it makes it, it, it gets frustrating watching this. I watched uh, a little bit of the, one of the hearings and they're asking the people about the, and they don't, they're just not answering questions. They don't really seem to know much. And, and then, you know, we've known that MUFON has been investigating this stuff for decades. They've got thousands of cases and they've, they've looked at this stuff for decades and the government's acting like it's a, it's a new thing. Yeah. And, and believe me behind closed doors, they know what's going on. We're giving both the both the intelligence committees briefings a quarterly basis. Now we've been doing it for about six months. Um, reports of the UFO stuff that we get, um, so that they know, you know, they can put their fingers on the pulse of the civilian 
uh, UFO activity that's being reported. So we're, we have a seat at the table and we're getting ready to have more of a seat at the table because we've been pushing this all along and we've earned a certain amount of credibility in, in D.C. among the among the body politic. And it's because of, uh, like I said, because of our lobbying company. But it's also because Dave McDonald, the guy that runs MUFON, I mean, the guy's just really good. <laughs> and I couldn't walk into these rooms and not be slamming my fist on the table. Yeah, we got to know the truth. But Dave has gone in with just a logical argument and he's a genuinely nice guy. And he's made a lot of friends in D.C. And so we're um, we're we're right in the middle of it. And it's have they, always had, have they always had access to your to your files, your data, and all that. I know there's a lot of there's a lot of control. Well, I mean, you know, the, the the all the spy agencies that follow us have probably can hack our database, but yeah, the, the Congress hasn't had that. Um, and we're not just opening our stuff; we're, we're actually providing um, <clears throat> yeah, custom made reports because yeah, yeah, opening up our database is not something. That, there's too many private things in there. That, yeah. you know people people's names and stuff so we don't share our database with anybody we protect the privacy of, yeah. of our involved. when did you first so when did you first get involved in like the ufo field then you know it was funny i've always been i've always been into the topic as an armchair aficionado i used to read ufo magazine and stuff like that um when i founded my production company uh because I own a I own a company that does video productions. I've done you know a lot of big music acts, Guns N' Roses, Smashing Pumpkins, Earth, Wind, and Fire, stuff like that. My day job. Um, but I got hired by Steve Bassett to go to Washington D.C. and film his X conference in 2007. So we shot that and we live streamed it. And that's when I was like, I was looking at this whole situation, listening to these people talk, and I'm like, man, this is probably this is the biggest deception ever perpetrated on humanity. And I've always I'd always wanted to do something important with my video career. So I decided this is one of the things I was going to go after. And, you know, just trying to get trying to move the ball for the benefit of humanity. And so, I've, yeah, I've been doing it for a long time, but it's never been a moneymaker. It's like, you know, it's always do what you got to do to pay the bills and then take, take the money you make and make another UFO show or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have you have you had any personal sightings or experiences yourself? You know, I haven't. And the reason I, I if you believe in fate and destiny, I, I really think that, you know, in order for me to do the job that I do, which is to take these concepts and try to deliver them to the to the mainstream without, you know, from a journalistic standpoint, I don't think I'd be able to be objective if I had memories of being taken on ships or, you know, something happened to me like happened to my friend Travis Walton. I don't think I could. So I think that it, there's a reason that I haven't had those experiences and um, that it, it makes me an honest, uh, objective reporter on the topic. My, my uh, opinion isn't clouded by something I can't get out of my head. Yeah. It's, it's always cool to have people involved that didn't have experiences as well. You know, they just came in, they're interested in the mystery. They're interested in how important it is to humanity, but they're not coming with a bunch of uh, sightings under their belt. Yeah. I like, I like that. And, you know, you can, I, I've got absolutely nothing negative to say about experiencers. Uh, MUFON has a fantastic resource team for experiencers, and we're doing some of the best research in the world on the topic. And when I'm at, like, symposiums and stuff, and people come up to me in the MUFON booth and, they, and they're talking to me, I can tell when somebody's an experiencer. And, they, and, they, and you know, it's it's not an easy thing to live with. And, and for so many years, they've been just 
persecuted, even worse than people that are into UFOs. Uh, I mean, you know, it's one thing to see a flying saucer and believe there's ET. It's a whole other thing to have this kind of experience that you cannot forget. You know it happened, but you can't really talk about it to too many people. And so you just live with this from, from then on. And I can see it in their eyes and I can see it on the tip of their tongues. They want to talk to you or they want to talk to somebody. So I have absolutely nothing but respect and, and um, understanding for experiencers, that, that especially the ones that have really had some of these extreme things happen. And their day is coming. I believe it. Would my uh, 1994 MUFON UFO investigator trainee card still be valid? Hmm, I think technology's evolved a little bit. <laughs> I was going to bring that up, actually, <laughs> next. I was going to. Because Graham's been part of MUFON for, I well, mean, no. going on 30 years. No, I was way back then, but then, I, you know, then I was. Oh, dude, you got to sign up again. I mean, it's only what, 119 bucks a year, and you get the live stream of our event. You get all the membership stuff. They'll get you a new card, you know, so <laughs> we'll get that taken care of for you. And, and you get our TV channel. You get to see all my great TV shows. Uh, um, oh, do you? You get that with the – that's cool. You guys made yeah, it. So it comes with you it, sign yeah. up to MUFON – do you, do you still like, do you guys still do investigator training and stuff like oh, that? Oh yeah. Yeah, we do. Um, but you know, MUFON's kind of evolved because it's not, people think that, oh, join MUFON because I want to be a field investigator. And we still have that. We've got over 700 field investigators and we do the training and we put people out and we still investigate cases, but we have seven plus thousand members worldwide that honestly just want to be in a cool club that where they, they are talking to people with like minds and they're attending events that, that are, you know, put on by people who speak the language. So MUFON has become more of a community for people who care about the UFO topic and a hardcore true investigative body as well. So it's, it's it, we're positioning ourselves basically to be here for the entire planet when people start realizing, holy moly, yeah, what yeah. we got, it's real. Yeah. Who do we talk to about that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah, we're here. What's the biggest, I uh, guess, surprise? that that in the sort of in the field or in your career that you've had in the ufo thing what did you you know where did you expect to be in 2023 versus where you are i thought that the you but i guess you know what i mean the whole move on well i mean i was really surprised when they actually offered the position of media relations director to me i was very proud of that and it's a job i take pretty seriously um I have to I have to basically go out and make appearances and, and do spokesperson appearances. And then I also work on the shows um, that really surprised me. It's a lot of fun. It's a, it's like a, it's a job I like. I don't get paid for it. I do it for free. But, um, you know, that, I, I really love it. And it's and I've helped to be able to really kind of help shape MUFON. I can't take a lot of credit because the credit goes to Dave McDonald for being open minded. But we've changed this organization from what it was into something so much more robust and so much more cool. And, and to be a part of that it has been really rewarding. How long has he been there again? Uh, he was a director once before, but he came on about three years ago when we fired the last director for weird stuff. And um, uh, it's just been I, I was in that regime, too, and it wasn't pleasant. And it's been it's night and day. And it's the people at the top of MUFON now are forward thinking, willing to take risks. And there's nobody that doesn't care deeply about this topic and getting it to people. 
It's what we're about at the very core. And we're doing the best work ever. I remember getting a newsletter newsletters a couple of years ago when Dave came on and I remember saying, Oh, this does look interesting. He seems like he's he's making some some good changes. Yeah, no, it's it's been good. Um, I mean, like right now we 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 just built our own laboratory, a genuine scientific laboratory with a reasonable amount of equipment for studying any kind of physical evidence. We have the state-of-the-art photo analysis people and equipment and software, which is not cheap. Um, we have our own TV channel. We have our own TV studio. We're making our own shows. We just launched an app, <laughs> which is really cool. It's a UFO tracking, sighting tracking app. So people can download it and they can know of UFO sightings popping up in real time on the app. And then we have another app that is a, a social media networking app uh, that, that we've put out in addition to all the other stuff that MUFON already had. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, trying to keep up with, with the uh, with the times it's a 55 year old organization and um you know it's taken us this long to get an app but it's a really good app <laughs> my friend my friend wanted an app he wanted to develop an app like that he's like we need an app so that when you see a sighting and you can put it out there and other people can triangulate the same sighting and from from other parts and i just yeah. use technology in that way even if you're close by you know you'd, you'd be able to have five or ten people uh seeing the same thing Oh, yeah, it's pretty funny, kind of like Tinder for aliens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did not just say that. But, um, I guess I did. You did, and it was live. A new, a new MUFON Tinder app. Uh, that's that's the new. That's what disclosure is really going to be like. Hey, you can date them too. Oh, so um, somebody in the chat's playing up what I said about the previous leadership of MUFON. Um, you know, I'd say he just was doing some things he shouldn't have been doing. We fired him. End of story. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> for those who really want to find out more, figure it out, but I don't want to talk about it. What's, what's your take on MUFON in general, uh, in, in terms of uh, non ET craft, like the black budget type stuff. I mean, the, the man made, the man made, you know, I guess what Greer would call AR, ARVs or whatever, alien re reproduction yeah. vehicles or, I mean, you know, I'm glad you asked that because some people think that MUFON, we're just clinging to this. It has to be ET thing. And the fact of the matter is that we're very open minded about all of the possibilities. And so it's not a bunch of tinfoil hat flying saucer folks. We're, we're looking at everything. The, you know, the interdimensional possibility, the idea that maybe these things have been on Earth uh, for a long time, extraterrestrial technology, some uh, potentially human technology that's been reverse engineered. We're open to all of those possibilities and more and more people inside of MUFON acknowledge that that's probably more likely than not, that there's yeah. just a lot of stuff and all of the above, as you said earlier, is really going to end up being the answer. And what's your, what's your take on that? You think there's a lot of that ARV stuff out there? Well, I think that there's definitely uh, some success from reverse engineering. Um, and I've heard the ARV stories, the alien reproduction vehicles, and, and I've interviewed a couple of people that talk about it. Um, but, you know, where is it? So it's, it's, it's in the gray box. It's not something that, like in Accidental Truth, I just tried to cover things that, that had a paper trail um, without going into things that we just have no good case for. But, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a whole stable of not only uh craft that we've created through some form of reverse engineering, we've had some success, but then there's also the craft that we've recovered that yeah. we probably still can't figure out yet. 
And you talk a lot about that in your movie too, right? The amount, the sheer amount of crash recoveries that aren't necessarily all ET, but some of them are these ARVs too, right? If if a, if a craft goes down, somebody's got to recover it regardless of where it came from. Yeah, I mean, you know, the idea that there's crash retrieval teams or not, of course there's crash retrieval teams. Even if you rule out, you ETs, know, yeah. a craft of unknown origin, we have very elaborate methods of retrieving uh, crashed Top secret craft, yeah. And, and, you know, these same groups, obviously, you're going to go anywhere and recover anything. Darren, you got a question? What, um, I mean, so me and Graham argue about this all the time. But what, I mean, and maybe you've answered this already, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> what What does disclosure mean to you? Have we had it yet? Who's got the authority to give it? Has it started? Is, is it a slow thing? What, you know, I guess start with what disclosure means to you and then you can go on. Or maybe you can start first with what do you think it's happened and then what it means to you? Well, I mean, it, when there's an effective form of disclosure, Steve Bassett likes to say it, it, disclosure with a capital D. And that's what a president or some leader of state goes on television and says, people of the world, we are not alone. Um, and so that's, you know, the ultimate idea of what disclosure is. Uh, what we're having is kind of disclosure, but it's still intangible. So to me, a satisfactory disclosure is an official acknowledgement accompanied by some proof. I mean, if we're going to talk about these craft, well, let, let's let independent scientists get, get at some of these materials. We're going to talk about these things that happen. Well, let's release the record. Let's let's release the photographs. Let's release the materials so that and and then coming from some official trustable body saying yes, we're not alone. There's intelligent beings visiting us, and it's it's documented enough so that the entire human population will understand that this is real, because we haven't gotten that. And until it's until we know it, just like we know we have gravity, just like we know the sky is blue and grass is green. And, and we live and die until it's that solid of a fact in human understanding. It's not disclosure. So it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. But it's getting close. It, well, we're getting close to something. Um, you know, it's like we say in the movie, we're, I don't think we're ever going to get the truth. I don't even know if there's that many people left that know the truth. You know, it's been stovepiped and compartmentalized for so long. You know, where's the institutional memory? of what happened right. at Roswell, per se. You know, where's the, the one guy that knows everything? You know, he's long dead. Yeah. And, and who did he pass it on to? We don't know. Yeah, and even the, people that, even the people that are seeing stuff in the compartments don't know the big picture either, so. Boy, you know, we're seeing that with these new, all, all these new acronyms for these new uh, investigative groups. Oh, well, you know, we're going to do ATIP. Oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And it's just jumbling around letters like you're playing bingo or something. And, and and it's a new group and they're given just a certain file full of information. And then people don't understand why they can't tell us it's ET. They're not being told anything. They're, they're given a bunch of boxes here. Look, take a look at this. And they're able to say things like, well, that doesn't fall into the purview of the UAP task force. It's like, you know, none of these guys are read in all those poor people on that NASA panel. You think any of them know what's going on? That guy that I can't remember his name. He was a scientist who was a, a, did the second UFO hearing. This guy's either the best and biggest liar yeah. in the history of humanity, or nobody's told this guy anything. 
You know, it's like, and how can we get straight answers when if the information going in isn't real good, tangible, valuable, confidential information, how are we ever going to be able to, to trust these people to get information out? And they're doing the best they can. If you send me a, a photo of a flying saucer and I'm supposed to be the guy investigating UFOs and the Pentagon gives me this, and then somebody asks me about, you know, what, what happened to Roswell or whatever. Well, I don't have any information on what happened at Roswell, so I can't tell you. But I'm the guy, you know, it's 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 hard to watch, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. Why, why is it, why are they holding onto it so tight? Is it energy now? Is it, uh, is it just that they've, I mean, I, I've heard people describe it and I kind of agree, but I wouldn't mind to know what you think is, is uh, it's obviously it's hard to let a high tech, like you, you have, you know, a grasp on this new technology whatever sort of pseudo governmental private organization you have that's like back engineering it and flying it around. Like obviously you don't want to lose that control and that, that freedom it gives you. But Well, that's it. You know, there, there's probably two reasons. One is the people that have this stuff don't want to give it up and don't want to share it and don't want anybody to know. And there could even be national security involved in that. But I think it's more like, you know, corporate mafia hood. Um, but the other thing is that this is a crime against humanity. Make, having knowledge of, of things that could totally transform life on this planet and not revealing it, somebody has, has really put the shaft to 7 billion of us. Um, and there could, you know, then there's the other side that maybe the ETs didn't want it revealed. And, and ultimately, they are the ones that, that could control this. If they wanted it revealed, they could reveal it anytime. There's nothing any secret group could do about it. So clearly, they don't want people to know. And then, you know, the other thing that is is a part of it is maybe this is knowledge that is just not something that's going to make our day. <laughs> you know, people ask me all the time. They're like, well, don't you think people can handle disclosure? That's what just and there used to be two arguments. They're, they're ready for the truth or they're not. But when you really think about it, it's the context of the disclosure. If we say... People of Earth, there's extraterrestrials, probably dozens of species, and every, every once in a while they come here, and they don't bother us, we don't bother them, and it, it just seems fine. You know, then people are going to go, oh, yeah, that's cool, I knew that, yeah, no big deal. Gotta get my electric bill paid. But if they come on TV and they say, people of Earth, there's multiple extraterrestrial species visiting us, and some of them don't seem like they're too friendly. We're not even really sure what they want from us, but it's pretty clear that we're a genetic uh, laboratory and that they're using us for all kinds of things we don't even know about. And there's nothing we can do about it. And if you feel like you've been abducted, you probably have. Uh, well, that changes everything. <laughs> then you've got a lot of freaked out people. So it's the context of disclosure. And there could be something within that um, within that stream of thought that is keeping the truth from coming out as well. They, I mean, what if we're, what if we're being raised for food? Yeah. Uh, or there's a chance that they might not even really have a grip on reality. The scientists, the politicians, like, you know, they, they know they've got this high technology that they're using now, but they don't know the general state of reality. They don't know what, like some of these things are interdimensional. They're coming in out of portals. Some of them are coming here from, you know, other planets. I mean, they, they might just have, they might not even know how to explain anything. Yeah, I tend to believe that, that the answer is somewhere in between. 
I think that, you know, at deeper levels, they know a lot more. This whole idea that Eisenhower did a treaty, that might have happened. I can't say for sure. But I think we've, we're definitely aware of multiple species. We definitely have multiple crashed vehicles and materials and technology that we've recovered. It's definitely been covered up and hidden from Congress and even most of the military. I believe everything David Grush said, and, and, I, and it's in my film. Uh, which a lot of people are saying might be one of the reasons that that this is moving the way it is. Because I, I designed Accidental Truth to be a movie that leaves them no room. There was a little bit of air for a while in between pussyfooting around the word aliens and, and admitting that they're non-human and blah, blah, blah. And I created a film that was designed to suck the air out of that room. Now they're right up against the wall. There's nothing else that they can say, they can't beat around the bush anymore. Anybody that watches the film will understand that we've we've taken that away from them. And I think that's why it's there, because it's it's out there. Hundreds of thousands of people have watched the movie, uh, which surprises the heck out of me. But it's it's out there and it's being very well received. So yeah, it is. Congratulations. Hey, you know what? While we're while we're at it. When this film first came out, I want to ask your audience a little bit of a favor for those of you that have seen the movie. When the film first came out. I wanted to uh, ask you this question too. So I'm glad you're bringing it up. Okay, go ahead. No, I wanted to ask you about the trolls uh, on the review. Oh, yeah, okay. So I'm going to talk about that for a minute. Yeah. This, when the film first went up on IMDb, we were attacked by about 25 people who left the movie a one-star rating before it was even out. And, and the effect that has, and I know who did it. I know who's yeah, partially that, responsible that's for what it. I was and they're ask basically you. other filmmakers that, that, that play, play dirty pool. And, um, and so, you know, I'm not going to mention names, but uh, let's, let's just say that, that there is a group of people that will do anything they can to attack other films in the field and make theirs uh, play better. But the, um, what, the, what happens is on IMDb, it's imdb.com, you can leave a star rating for a film without proving that you read it. I just did. Or, or I did, you did. Before we came on here, I just did that for you. Well, I appreciate that. I was like, I wonder if I have to sign in or anything. No, it just allowed me right there. Yeah. Oh. And, and see, the problem with that is that when you get star bombed, now on amazon.com, when you go to Amazon Prime, it has the IMDb rating. And if somebody has gone and star bombed you on IMDb, then on Amazon, it looks like, oh, 5.8 on IMDb, it must suck. And it persuades people from watching the film. And only insiders know that there's that flaw in the IMDb system and how bad it is for filmmakers. Because anybody can go, you don't have to prove that you watched the movie. You can go on, you can leave a rating. You have to sign in from your Amazon account, I think, but the ratings show up anonymously. Um, and you can really trash somebody's movie that way. And and you have to be an insider to know that you can actually do that. And it's devastating to how it cascades out. You know, luckily on Amazon, we're, we're into our hundreds of reviews now. And, and so the audience has taken over. But it still shows that 5.8 IMDb from those 20 or 30 one-star bombs. That, that hit us. So if anybody out there has seen the movie, I'm not asking you to give it a rating that you don't think it deserves, but you know, please go to IMDb and drop a star rating on it. I'll ask them to do that. Oh, yeah. Since if you and, don't, and like I said, if you didn't like the movie, 
I'm not going to ask you not to, <laughs> to, to put a rating you don't believe, but most people do like the movie, and, and I think that we deserve to be portrayed that way. So we got to overcome. A few people could go give it five stars, even if they didn't watch it, just to offset them trolls. I mean, we get yeah, well, it. Well, I, I have be those 10 stars. Here. You do five stars on Amazon or, and 10 stars on IMDb. Yeah, but yeah, if right. too many people run and give it 10 stars, they'll, they'll think something's up. Anyway, All right, well, like, just take a minute if you've seen the film and, and go to imdb.com. It's easy to find the film there and, and leave it a star rating that you think it deserves. That's, that's yeah. all I have. Do you get to track all the stats on that and see where it's getting the most plays? How, like, how, how real time is your data on that? I have not seen a single thing. The, um, you know, 1091 is a company that's distributing this film. Yeah. And uh, it has been a rough, rough ride. I um I, I would I not recommend these guys to anybody. It's been oh, a disaster. That sucks. I thought they were good before. I think we've had a couple other uh, people on that had their their movies through that that group. Maybe maybe you know there was a time when they were the best. Yeah. The, 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 there's been all kinds of corporate juggling. Uh, um, they're not paying. They're not paying people. They're not paying royalties. They totally screwed up the marketing for my release and um and and just lied over uh, and over again. You know, it takes a lot to be able to come out and say this. I, I better make sure I could back it up, but I can. And so in answer to your question, I have not seen a single piece of data from the release of this movie, except for some estimated numbers. And apparently it takes two or three months for it to show up in your portal. But I'm also talking to other filmmakers that, that are owed tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, and they're slow getting paid. And you know, people are starting to to have to send out higher lawyers and stuff. Is that how you and get? In fact, I've got I've got three lawyers right now helping me deal with these guys. Is that how you get paid per uh, per play or something like that? Per thousand? well, yeah, because right now you can only buy the film. You can rent it or you can buy it, and then the uh, distributor gets sixty percent of that revenue, and then they take their cut, and then the filmmaker gets the rest. And it's um. It's it's dirty pool right now. That's sad, man. Sorry to hear that. I mean, especially with with a with a niche sort of genre like yours, like there should be enough room for all of these films, everybody to come out with their films because it'll raise the whole the whole thing. If if everybody would support each other and give better reviews, then then people would watch all the fucking movies. They're not gonna, you know, not gonna stop somebody from going to one UFO movie and not another. It's it's it'd be better to to sort of work together on all this. It's really well, you know, in principle, that's how it is because 1091 likes to absorb all these films. But um, the the thing is, is that what they tell you to get the distribution deal and what they actually deliver to you over the time is two, two completely different things. Well, um, you know, I have Matthew Modine in my movie. And these guys released the film across all platforms with the wrong metadata, listing the wrong cast, and not even mentioning that there's an A-list actor narrating the film. And, and then they're like, oh, sorry, it's going to take a while to fix that. And on some places, they still haven't fixed it. Wow. So, you know, that's just one example. And, and then the lies and the unpaid bills and the, the bailing on, on marketing stuff. Yeah, you know, in my contract, it says I can't talk about anything do, having to do with them that I learned in our initial interaction, but this is all stuff I've learned since that. Right. This is my investigative knowledge. And so, yeah, I'm going to talk about it because yeah, anybody yeah. else out there that's got a film, buyer beware, man. There's other yeah. distributors out there. I think these guys are going down. Yeah. 
Yeah, like like a lot of other corporations, man. The the the, the lack of expertise and talent is dwindling, and and corporations are falling apart. I mean, I was also kind of mentioning the trolls. I was referencing like because you, you said it looks like some other movie makers kind of sent their trolls, and that's what's disappointing to me too. That you know, there should be. I don't play that for, way. I mean, you know, I would never do that to somebody else. else. But but uh, you know, I'm I'm, I, and, and the only reason that I that I know it's true is because a couple of people pulled me aside and said to expect it. And then the other thing is, how do you leave star ratings for a movie that's not even out yet? And and so. You know, obviously that was a just right out of the gate attack on my movie. And, you know, people might say, oh, well, dude, maybe your movie just sucks, but it doesn't suck. You've watched it. Well, you um, look at all the awards you got. For it too. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but, you know, filmmaking is a tough game. Distribution is a tough game. Um, and I just uh, I'm definitely going to think twice before I do the next one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I mean, I was going to ask you that. Are you going to do an next one? I mean, now that you've got your foot in the, in, in sort of in the, in Congress's door and you're kind of like, yeah. you, know, you kind of got an inside scoop on, on what's happening with the government and you're, you're obviously connected to all these people. It would, you know, is that sort of going to be your future for the next couple of years, really hammering down on that or? Well, I know that James Fox is working on something along those lines. He's kind of like, he did the phenomenon. I did accidental truth. He's going to do something that picks up where accidental truth left off. So I'm not going to jump in his thing because I've been helping him any way I can. Um, so I haven't decided how I'm going to frame the next one. I think I'm just going to continue to tell the story that was told in accidental truth through the website and, and, uh, and, and not, you know, really charge people money. And then the next thing I want to do um I'm working on a life after death film. I'm working on one about the nature of reality. Oh, cool. so these are other topics that I'd really like to cover. Um, and then uh, I'm working on a, a, I think the very next thing I'm going to put out is going to be about Mars. Oh, right on. Awesome. So I'm actually working cool. on that one right now. It's a docudrama. So it's going to have, you know, I, I created my own animation company when I made accidental truth. So a lot of those animations in the film are original stuff that we actually did. With me, with myself and a couple guys in the Ukraine. Yeah, it was good. That was good. Uh, good graphics, good animation for sure. I tried to. I wanted to do something different. Everything about the film is different. You know, I I wanted to make something. I I like to make things that don't look like anything else. So the whole way that I did it, everybody shot on green screen. Um, really beautiful chroma keying, custom made backgrounds for each person, and, and those are actually shots of my actual studio behind them. Um, that, that we created for the backdrops. And so, you know, the, the art and the look of this is completely unique and, but, and some people like it and some people don't, but you know, it's, at the end of the day, it's about art as much as it is anything else. Oh yeah, for sure. That's what inspires people. Has to be. Yeah, it has to be. So if it's not, then people just don't, you know, there's so much stuff out there. That's if it's not artsy, then, you know, what's the point? Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, there it could be said that this is a talking head documentary. It's not the there is a lot of talking heads, but but they're saying some pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, it's it's, it's yeah, it's the it's the type of talking heads that that's makes this one so good. <laughs> so, what about your? Can you talk about what you're going to do with the government uh, in the next little while, in the next like three to six months, kind of or a year? Well, we're preparing the the testimony for the House and Senate Intelligence Committees. Uh, literally to go in and tell them what we know about the stuff that David Grush said. And we know a lot. Um, 
basically we're, we, we've already um, put accidental truth on required reading and viewing for all the members of Congress that we work with. We've given them all free access. Our lobbying firm has called up and said, you guys need to watch this movie. And then, and then we can come in and talk to you about it. So we're there. Um, we're doing it. It's really exciting. That's great. Right on. So how yeah. would, how will people follow up on that aspect of your work? Are you going to put that on your MUFON website or anything like that? Or? Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be a, I'm working on something called the DC diaries. Okay. We're going to be publishing little bits and pieces on a, yeah, on YouTube and on Facebook. And then the, the broader productions will be inside MUFON television. But if you want to follow up with accidental truth, figure out where to get the movie, uh, support us by helping buy our t-shirts. Um, you can go to H at accidental truths with an S.com. It'll forward you to the page. Yeah. Hey, are either one of you guys in front of your computer? Yeah. I'm yeah. Right now. You want to see something that just really funny. Well, it's really not that funny. Do a search for accidental truth t-shirt and watch what happens. Truth, sir. Truth. Yeah, truth is singular. Huh. We we've identified over 150 websites that have stolen our artwork and are selling t-shirts. Oh my god. Yeah, I just clicked on the first two, dude. And it's got there's all these weird t-shirt companies that have your your logo right on there. Yeah, they stole it. And um what the fuck? You know, we've got the official accidental truth t-shirts on our website, and and nobody's buying them because if you decide you like the movie and you want the shirt. <laughs> There's a thousand places to buy it. It's it's horrible. How the what? Like why would they choose yours again? That's so weird. Well, you know, it caught, when it came out, it was a buzz. Matthew Modine is a is obviously a a list talent. Um, so yeah, they just got a hold of it. So somebody in the chat room is asking me. Brandenburg is definitely going to be in it. I'm not sure about Dunning. Um, I've interviewed John Brandenburg several times, and his theory about Mars and the nuclear thing is absolutely solid. And, and I like John a lot. So yes, he'll be in it for sure. Our first episode in Grimerica 2013 was Ephraim Palermo talking about the water stains on Mars. That was what mm -hmm. got us into this whole thing. Well, wow. that's I was going to say that. Uh, and he was vindicated. You know what, I just fucking talked to Ephraim today. No way. <laughs> Well, yeah, because I'm getting ready to do the road trip down there, so I was letting him know wow. I'm coming in his neck of the woods. But he just moved to Portugal, like three days ago. Wow! Um, but anyway, um, yeah, if you do something on Mars, let us know because Ephraim was the dude, but one of the first people who said there was water on Mars. Everyone said he was crazy with those streaks, and uh, he turned out to be vindicated, right on the money. Yeah. He was one of these guys putting hours and hours into the, the back when the internet was, you know, slow. I mean, putting all those pictures from the, I guess, I don't know what it was, the rover or whatever, putting it all together in a big picture and looking at all. <laughs> I'll tell you, Mars is going to be the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, we're going to find out so much stuff about that planet. So it's, it's getting up on the hour. Um, okay. Is there anything else? No, just give us the websites. Um, the you know accidentaltruth.com, I think is one of them, but we'll say it and well, it's, it's accidentaltruth with an S dot com. Yeah, yeah. 
And if you go to MoveOnTelevision.com, you can click on the front page. It'll also take you to the Accidental Truth site. And then you can just find the movie on Amazon. Uh, you can find it on iTunes, Vudu, Hulu. Or no, it's not on Hulu yet. Um, but all the places where you get a movie, um, Apple TV, uh, Amazon Prime. And it's not expensive. I, we're, um, I've asked them to keep the price down. So it's I think it's $4.99 right now for the oh, HD version. Good job. Great. Yeah. Because awesome. I want more people to see it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so it really is a, uh, it's a historical document. That's, that's what I made it for. And, and I'm just so stoked that people out there appreciate it and are saying good things. But, you know, most people that are going to say bad things about a film aren't going to say it to my face, but they'll certainly say it in a chat room. Yeah. They'll certainly say it, you know, in a comment on a video. So it's been overwhelmingly positive and and thank you to everybody for that because I didn't make the film for me, I made it for you. And and to know that it's being appreciated means a lot. Yeah, right on, buddy. Is there anything else you want in the show notes? Uh, any social media for yourself or any other way to get a hold of you or follow you or um I'm pretty much just out there through MUFON. Um you can reach me, you can contact me through MUFON, you can email me personally at Ron James Contact at Gmail. And I always love to hear from people. I try to respond uh, to, to stuff. And um, yeah, MUFON television, MUFON's YouTube channel, MUFON social media. I'm behind a, a huge percentage of that that you see out there is me. So that's that's kind of where I'm parked right now. Right on. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks a bunch. Uh, thanks for the movie. I mean, Someone's going to make one that's not Stephen Greer, so I appreciate it. Okay, yeah, I, I did not say that. You know, I'm actually hosting his red carpet for his premiere. I've done it for all his movies, so it's kind of kind of interesting. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a nice talk. That's good. Yeah, you got. I mean, the guys got all work together. That's that's the way we'll lift it all up together. Nice. Yeah, and you know, it's like it's perfectly understandable as big as a as someone of his stature in the field that when he puts out a movie like that, it's going to go straight to the top, and it has. Um, and it, Accidental Truth has been in the top 10 on the Apple iTunes documentary chart since it came out, and his movie is pulling every, everybody else along, so, you know, more power to him. He's, he's, he's going to sell a lot more copies of his than mine will, but when you go to Lost Century on Amazon, right there below it, it's people also watched, and so it's, it's, it's helping exactly. everybody. It's helping exactly. everybody. Yeah, and and that's why I don't understand the whole need to troll and feel like there's competition. There shouldn't be. Just make a good movie and get it out there, yeah. and and don't attack other people. Right on. Yeah. Well, maybe you can come back when you get your Mars thing all ready to go. Hey, hopefully sooner than that. I'm not. Yeah, anytime you need somebody to hop on and comment about anything that's in the news, or uh, you know, you want to talk about some other stuff like how this all ties into the nature of reality and. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, it get, the rabbit hole gets way deeper, dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right on. We love that stuff. Thanks a lot, Ron. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Come back anytime. That was a chat with Ron James. What do you think? What? How'd you like the? I mean, you seen the movie? Should I? Yeah, watch it was it? good. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, just like it was to me. It was part of my whole disclosure experience. I mean, I was watching that. Then I decided to take some time and watch his right away, and because it was right when Grush came out and the Disclosure 2.0 and his movie and that's probably know. one of the reasons why I was so excited about all this. I don't know who Grush is. I got to be honest. But it, but it doesn't matter. I mean, it, it doesn't it, matter. It, it doesn't matter because it's coming out. It's all coming out. I'm uh, just excited that it's someone who's not, you know, the norm. I've never heard of it. I'm excited. 
go watch a movie that's not from the regular uh, regular players. You oh, know? you know what? This would be really good for you and Shauna to watch because it is it's fucking fascinating. And it's got some new stuff in there that you won't know. And it's also good for the UFO crowd. The people that are experienced will also like it. There you have it. Big thanks to Rod for coming on the show. Big thanks to you guys for listening. Even bigger thanks for our supporters. There's not, you know, there's, there's enough of you that we're super grateful, but there's not enough that we're super comfortable. So if you head over to grammarica.ca slash support today, sign up for monthly or make a one-time donation, we could add a little uh, comfort to our, not even comfort, just like uh, less worrying about bills or the podcast, you know? Says, this thing ain't free to run. And uh, that's the problem is it ends up, it ends up costing way more than you think just to do everything. Exactly. All the monthlies and all the, Oh my God. It adds up in the books and this and that. So America.ca slash support guys, if you can, when you can, other than that, head over to America.ca for everything else we're up to. You find links to the audio books, to my books, to the sub stacks, to the newsletter and to the trips. Check it all out. I don't know. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. See you next week. You just a drop in the bucket, baby. You just a single solitary drop in the bucket. Baby, you just a drop in the bucket, baby. You just a single solitary drop in the bucket, baby.
the corner store The sunrise corner store The sunrise corner store The sunrise corner store Pinching pennies La da 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 I'll talk to you. 